Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for Thursday, the 29th of June, 2023. I'm joined by Stelios and Hello. Connor. Hello there. And today we're going to be talking about Pride season, uh, why John has left his microphone on so I can hear myself talking in my ear. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, the, uh, the fact that they are coming for your children and they want you to know it. And we're going to be doing a bit of a retrospective on Glastonbury. But before we begin, uh, Connor and Harry are doing a follow-up to their James Lindsay, uh, well, the, the question is, is James Lindsay right on Christian nationalism podcast? Do you want to give people a quick description? Yeah, so for the first podcast, we went through James Lindsay's quibbles with the Christian nationalist movement. Uh, mm. If there is a concrete definition of it and his concern that it's, as he told you, an obvious Fed operation, um, I disagreed with him on that. I think there are some sincere convictions, but it's we ran over time and Harry had a whole section on liberalism and whether or not the anti-woke coalition can last, considering we have atheists yeah. and Christians in the same place. So we're going to go over that quite charitably, I hope, this afternoon. I don't mean to be mean to the Christian nationalists, but they're obviously not sophisticated enough to be a Fed operation. Um, I think you can put that on Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, because it's, it's quite, a, quite a boomer interpretation of it. But there's, there's an infighting in the it's, definition. It's not that I dislike them or anything like that. I actually no. quite like a lot of the people who call themselves Christian nationalists. It's just Fed operations are more sophisticated than what they're doing, right? They're, yeah. they're, there's more message discipline. Yes. There's more personal, you know, online discipline, things like this. So it's just, I, I, I didn't think they looked like a Fed operation. Yeah, but no. underestimation is key for these operations. I don't know. I, the Fed operations, they're always slick, man. Like they're always like marching properly, and they've got uniforms. Unless you're on Patriot Front, of where you obviously look like a Fed. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so let's begin. So it turns out it's not just Pride Month; it's Pride season. Did anyone get the memo? Well, it is a liturgical calendar at this point. They have their saints, they have their martyrs. But it's yeah, but even liturgical calendars have months, right? They're, they're like particular defined periods of time this is going way beyond that this is now the entire season it's the new advent except rather than denying some sort of pleasure to teach yourself a lesson you're meant to indulge exponentially yes. a season implies though that there are other seasons within the year i think that it's non-stop yeah maybe after pride season we can get shame season to, <laughs> to properly balance it out i can't you know? wait like well maybe 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 a sort of autumn to winter style thing uh but Actually, I'm all up for that. It's the Persephone of pride. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, before we begin, uh, if you want to support us, go to the website, sign up, £5 a month, and listen or read Thomas Dowling's latest Deep Think, Academia, the Counterculture Industry, and Their Pretenders, in which he is, of course, embedded deep in academia, much to his disappointment, I imagine. And he has some thoughts on why this is all bad. And the reason that this is important is because, of course, all of this stuff comes from academia. It begins in academia, it gets filtered through a long process of people fully crafting their nonsense, and then it arrives in the soft heads of politicians. So let's begin with the soft heads of politicians. Uh, we have, in fact, let me remember how to work this. Let me say a thing. It's the yeah. rhetoric that is developed in academia. Yes. And it's powerful centers. Cent yeah, yeah. The, the, the philosophy the begins, the rhetoric is... Uh, Perfected, and then it arrives in the soft heads yeah. of politicians. Um, for some reason, John, the video is not coming up. There we go. Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine, and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, 
Let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy summer of pride. Entire summer. Now. Yeah, they're gonna stop. Are they gonna no. stop after summer? No. Why? Why not a year of pride? Why not a decade of pride? That's why not what they've all been doing. Pride all the time. The wherever you go. Pride. Yeah. Always watching Wazowski. <laughs> but I mean, you can tell that uh, Admiral Levine has got a lot to be proud of because, of course, she's commanded many fleets. No, she was given this title. As an honorific, essentially. But of course, the uh, the Department of Health and Human Services uh, are very, very proud of this. All summer long, we'll be celebrating the Summer of Pride as we work to ensure a healthier future for all people living in the United States during Pride Month. Let Summer of Pride begin. Well, Summer of Pride isn't quite enough. I mean, it's going to have to be uh, Pride season, I think. Uh, if we go to Justin Trudeau, there we go. Took this yesterday before heading home. What a hero. Uh, he's in Reykjavik, uh, visiting Rainbow Street. So everyone's celebrating Pride in Iceland and in Canada and around the world. Happy Pride season. Sorry, this reminds me of Mall, where they tell you, you know, if you follow the purple lane and turn right, oh, yeah. turn left, you have <laughs> Primark. If you it follow does. the other one, you have something else. Well, it the, does. The irony is of all the corporate ESG sponsorships for Pride. Yeah. And this, this is very, very new, as you can see. Like All of these things are very recent. Um, I don't know when the NPC program came. The Rachel Levine thing, Summer of Pride, was the closest I could find to a beginning point. But uh, then we have possibly there we go, uh, the NHS Confederation, which is essentially a union for the NHS. But uh, as they say, the NHS Confederation uh, wants the every June, the LGBTQ plus population and their allies, just talking about populations now, uh, and their allies come together to celebrate and recognize the influence that LGBT plus have had around the world. This begins... Uh, w this begins what has grown to become Pride Season, a series of events that highlight current challenges faced by LGBTQ plus people and celebrate the progress made towards equality. It's metastasizing like a cancer. Yeah. It's literally getting larger. Yes. Again, also, I know it's a tired point, but you only need allies if you're in a war. And so they are yep. conceiving of themselves as being in an existential war against normality. Yeah. And the, the way it sounds like the LGBTQ population, there's something about using the term population that's a bit creepy to me. Mm. You know, there's something a bit abstract about it. It's like a nation within a nation. Yeah. Hence why they have their own flag. Well, I mean, that is exactly why they have their own flag. Uh, and so, well, when does this begin? When does it end? Well, uh, the Canadian government actually have. Uh, some thoughts on this. They say that Pride season is a term that refers to the wide range of Pride events that take place over the summer, June to September. So that's Pride season, according to the Canadian government, June to September. Next step of wokeness is that they say, why not the whole year? Why not October? Well, why not? It's just, if you're supposed to be proud, you're supposed to be proud the whole exactly. year. When should yeah. you ever be ashamed of twerking in front of a child? Always. Yeah. Say the Canadian government. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Again, the, the two S prefix on the LGBTQI plus yeah. the ever-growing acronym. Uh, do you know what 2S stands for? Two-spirit. Yes. Do you know where that came from? Native Americans. No. No? no. 90s gay activist called Harry Hay. It's not even Native American. <laughs> okay. It's just been retroactively co-opted like Sorry, what is 2S? Two-spirit. Yeah. But then, you know, that have to mean, that mean was like, like, great question. Yeah, that mean was like, there are two wolves inside you. <laughs> The good and the bad one. Yeah, and the one you feed is the one who's going to take over. Yeah, it's basically that, except you might want to have sex with one Yeah, but that's about pessimism and optimism. Yeah, now it's about what kind of gay man you want to have sex with. <laughs> Schopenhauer would not improve. <laughs> but anyway, they say historically, uh, they give us a quick historical rundown of where Pride comes from in Canada and everywhere else. And then they're just like, happy Pride season. So there we go. It's it's Pride season. Um, 
Is this working now again? No, no, it's not. Uh, anyway, so Pride season has already arrived in Wigan. Right. Of all places, well, Wigan, really? <laughs> just it, it begins in America, it goes to Canada, and from Justin Trudeau to Wigan. <laughs> like, it's just so wild. Again, this is literally published yesterday. <laughs> so it's just like, how did this NPC code? This is really quick updates. You know, broad, this is woke broadband. Doesn't got, right? Wigan have a significantly higher Muslim population? Uh, yes. Okay, so do you remember in Looney Tunes when Daffy and Bugs are arguing whether or not it's rabbit season or duck season? Not offhand. But... Okay, so there's a famous clip where they're going right. backwards and forwards because they're wondering who Elmer Fudd's going to shoot. <laughs> and then Bugs goes rabbit season to tit- trick Daffy Duck into saying duck season, having fire on himself. <laughs> I think that's going to be the case with the Muslim and LGBT <laughs> populations as to whose season it is. But, uh, but yeah, Wigan Council have obviously been plugged into this. And obviously it's because they're on Twitter, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, they're, they're encouraging everyone to take part, either by visiting respective town centers on big days or engaging with the groups of organizations that make our prides possible. I still think prides are sin. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> I've been finally it, getting through to you, But it Carl. is, and it's not Catholic. It's been sinful since day dot. Yeah, it, it, but it's literally but, the, the ethos but, of the epic of Gilgamesh. But, but, but if, you th- if you're ha- proud about something good you've done, Sure, but that's it's, not it's, the no, same. But no, I, I these think, people, they're, they're proud about just being. Well, yeah. we'll get to why they celebrate themselves in a minute. I think the difference with like national pride, and which should just be called patriotism, and sexual yes. pride, is there's an element of gratitude in national pride. You're inheriting mm. something. You've got an obligation to carry forward. You're, whereas, you're thankful for someone else. Exactly. Whereas sexual mm. pride is celebrate me and all of the perverse desires I kind of know are wrong, but need you to affirm me so I stop feeling bad about myself. Yeah, that's the thing as well, isn't it? The, the fact that they do this kind of implies that they feel that they're doing something wrong. It's projection. Yeah. Because I mean, why would you need this otherwise? That they, they, they lack sincerity because if you are to be proud about something, and I think that for some things, it's good to give ourselves the pat in the back sure. so long as we don't overdo it. But the, the most important thing is that we should be proud about something, hmm. not just for being. Yeah, mm. it communicates and, profound insecurity that they're trying to make up for. Yeah, it does, yeah. Anyway, it's arrived in Northern Ireland now. I don't know whether this is working. Someone's going to give up on it. Uh, Pride season in Northern Ireland. Pride season in Northern Ireland. Actually, this is the 13th of June, so this has been going around for a little while now. So Northern Ireland got the Pride season update a bit earlier than Wigan. I can't believe it. (laughs) Are you going to take that, Wigan? (laughs) You went by the curve. See, Irish nationalism has been uh, pretty destructive throughout its time, but but this may be the worst form, ironically Well, this is Northern Ireland, so I don't... I mean, these may well be Irish nationalists. They don't say... But uh, Northern Ireland is celebrating, you know, conservative Northern Ireland is celebrating its first pride parade. Uh, and uh, they're going to raise their rainbow flags high and stride with pride as this parade takes the streets to celebrate diversity, inclusivity, and equality. Thanks. I it's hate exhaustingly it. typical as well. Yeah. But anyway, so going over to Frome now. Do you know where Frome is? No idea. Uh, somewhere in the southwest. No one knows where Frome is. But uh, we get to hear about Frome's Pride season. Again, how the local areas got this update so quickly, I just don't know. But it's one thing Justin Trudeau tweeting out. It's one thing the Canadian government having it on their website. It's one thing Rachel Levine doing it. How did it get to Frome this quickly? Is it? Does it have to do with tourism? <laughs> no, not in Frome, no. It's like the okay. Soviet Politburo <laughs> sending out like it's yeah. sleeper agents to the most banal <laughs> little places. It is, right? But anyway, so Mark Stroud from Frome Pride, who organized Frome Pride, said, Pride is about a number of things, including celebrating ourselves. 
Freud is about narcissism. <laughs> like literally mask off. It's not about oppression. It's it's not about achieving equality. No, we're just celebrating ourselves, actually. Thank you. Uh, we're just brilliant, actually. It's like, really? That's embarrassing, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> celebrating ourselves and those we love, educating ourselves and others on the collective histories and communities. I don't really care about the history of pride or LGBT. It's just not something that comes up in my daily business. Like, why would it? The only time I talk about it is when you guys make me do podcasts like this because you sound ridiculous. Um, anyway, so it's, they're highlighting how far LGBTQ plus rights have come in the UK uh, and how there's still work to be done because, my God, there's going to be work to be done until every person in this country is gay. Uh, anyway, people actually aren't thrilled by this. Uh, Lawrence Fox, who was supposed to be on the podcast, by the way, I forgot to say, uh, scheduling conflict, but we will get him on like next week or something uh, when the schedules... Uh, when things don't come up. But anyway, Lawrence Fox burned a pride flag uh, and he got reported to the police. Good on Calvin for holding the camera. For sacra, did he? Yeah. He did <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, good, on, good on him though for, for, for burning a political flag, as in, you know, no different to burning any other political flag, like a Soviet flag or a Nazi flag or an ISIS flag or a British flag or an American flag or a pride flag. That was reported as being hate crime, but of course the police were like, well, it's not really a hate crime, is it? Because uh, it's a political movement. And then you go, let's let's have a quick whip around the world. So we've got Lawrence Fox and we've got Jerusalem, where uh, people are ripping down the pride flags and vandalizing the synagogues that have them up. Uh, over to Derby. <laughs> Again, just, why not? But someone in Derby tore down the flag that was up. And uh, in a London school, there was the tearing down of a pride flag and uh, they spoke to one gay activist at the school who said, quote, the tearing down of a pride flag at a London school left him disgusted and frightened. I really disliked how many people were cheering. Well, maybe not try to force it on everyone. Yep. Yep. No. Why people should celebrate someone for, for just being. What, why should 1% of the population be able to put up their flags and make and demand that everyone not only respects, but celebrates it? Yeah. You know, when someone's like, yeah, we're not having this, tears it down, and there's a chorus of cheers, it's like, well, I'm just really sad and afraid now that everyone's cheering that I can't oppress them. It's the Principal Skinner meme, is it? Is it the children who are wrong? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it actually is the Principal Skinner meme, but just with uh, pink hair. Uh, anyway, going over to Canada, there was a business in Canada uh, called the Wortley Auto Service, which is a car repair shop. Uh, and the owner, Matt Smith, has flown the flag during Pride Month. And he was like, well, I'm losing business. People won't come to my shop while I display the gay racial pride flag. Well, there's a stark awareness of what this flag now represents. This is something that you know, Matt Walsh has done great with, with what is a woman. The, yep. the amount of testimonials and detransitioners coming out and the untold amounts of harms done in pursuit of gender affirmative care. And so because it's entered the public consciousness, because you guys wouldn't leave it alone, then yeah, you put up a political symbol and you're going to get opposition. Yeah, I mean, if this was basically private, you know, if you basically just kept yourselves, then you probably could have done this in for an indefinite period of time. But that's the thing, I don't think that's possible. And that comes back yeah. to, the, to the need to celebrate. It is, okay, what two consenting adults do behind closed doors, it, hypothetically, if you don't have to pay attention to it, it shouldn't matter. But it, what you continually do is how you conceive of yourself. Mm. And so if you're doing something you're ashamed of, it affects your interpersonal interactions. So you have the perverse incentive to go out and change all of society to make people accept you so that you don't feel as insecure anymore. Yeah, well, why do the judgments they make have any effect on you? 
I think it shows two different pictures of progress. One is the fast one that mm -hmm. says, let's ram it all down, down, down all, everyone's throat. Mm -hmm. it, of course, it's going to cause a backlash. People yes. won't like it. People will protest against it. And there's the other one that, you know, if, they, if the people who give power to that movement cared about them and they, and they don't, they would be a bit more conservative with the steps they would take to talk about issues. We've, this is the thing as well. I kind of don't want to play into the progress paradigm because I think, and you might be sympathetic to this, England's kind of always tolerated as eccentrics as yeah, long as we, we don't mainstream self-negative or aberrant lifestyle practices as a thing to be emulated. And so, you know, if Douglas Murray wants to walk down the high street holding hands with his boyfriend, nobody's going to chuck rocks at him in a polite English society. But... But well, now, maybe, maybe in are, certain cities, but that's well, not... yeah, yeah, before mass immigration, yeah. qualify that statement. Yeah. But but now we've gotten to the point where there are men on floats in dog costumes doing obscene things in public, and and so excuse me if yeah. I'm not a fan of progress. I'd quite like to hit the brakes on this. Yeah, thing. but that's no progress. Well, it's, it is. Well, I don't know. It's progress. Definitely they they progress. claim they are, but it doesn't mean they're sincere. I'm willing to let them have it. On you know, it, I think it depends what you define the end goal of progress as, right? Because I mean, if the end goal of progress is making sure that every man, woman, and child in this country is homosexual. Then that is progress. It's progress is the liberation. It's from a constraint. conception of progress, but I think that if we just give that conception to the uh, to the other side, we're going to uh, appear as anti-progress. I think that this is one of the major values of Western civilization. That it's, you could say that to an extent, it's pro-progress since so about seventeen hundred. Yeah. Before that, we kind of just. I'm just saying that might have been mistake. not necessarily, <laughs> but uh, that, that's a big conversation. I'm, I'm, it is, I'm it is indeed this, but, a big conversation. You know, uh, yeah, but the thing is, if this is where progress has gone, then I can see why there are people who are skeptical of the concept, right? Because then, okay, look, if we've arrived here, where is it you're actually trying to get to? I'm more skeptical of the people who use that concept. Oh, I'm but totally, I'm, totally skeptical of them too. But like, what, what's in their mind? You know, what's the end result? Is the question divide and conquer. I don't know. I think it's the total liberation of people from the concept of judgment. Mm. I, I'm more of a political realist. I don't take rhetoric like that at face value. Yeah, but if people are willing to commit to, but these are that may be too. for one 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 percent of the population. But the but it's the, a growing percentage. The people that the people that give them power don't don't give it. You know what? About sure, them, but then but then, but then there are people like Martin Rothblatt, who is a, a transgender woman. I, I think that's the right conceptualization of where. They wrote a book that says from transgender to transhuman, and they understand the link between technology that facilitates you becoming your full self-conception. Transgenderism is one step on the run to making your consciousness interchangeable in whatever form or body you would prefer. So it it's not that it isn't it's not that this is disconnected or politically cynical. It's that this is from technological progress and the idea of the autonomous individual without constraint. This is a logical connection. It's not just a disjunction, you know. That's what I would say that's towards. just for the one percent or for the few. But it's growing. That's the problem. Yeah, but they're only one percent of the population. For yeah. now. So it's one percent of the one percent. And they they have no, I'm I'm talking about them. I'm saying right. that they there may be some hardcore ideologues yeah. who will say that, you know, progress is you know, liberation and they conceive of liberation as wearing the dog costume. Mm. But I think that the people who give them power, they don't care about that. The people who give them power want to play divide and conquer against everyone else, against the indigenous Ooh. population. And that is why they, they're using the, the population in the beginning when you talked about the I'm not alphabet. sure. I'm not sure there's a hard dividing line though. I mean, like mm. I think Rachel Levine probably does believe if you were sitting down and go, right, in an ideal world, what would, be, what would you be after? They'd be like, well, People to be able to be whatever they have the the feeling of being, regardless of what their objective body is. I think they would say that. 
and they're the people in power. So, okay, I, I, I don't think. I mean, I'm not saying that you're not wrong. I'm I mean, a there, bit there skeptical of of the rhetoric. I, I'm not saying you're yeah. wrong because there there are definitely uh, cynical corporations, cynical agents who are like, well, this will get us kudos on social media. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, this Bud Light. You know, they thought they were going to court a demographic, right? Yeah. And so they thought, okay, that sells. That, that's definitely true. But I think the woman who did that, who was fired recently, uh, I think she operated from a sincere position of belief. And I'm not saying that they've thought this through because I don't think they have. They just don't realize that they're taking steps on a particular path that arrives with them having to essentially consent that, yeah, essentially people are trapped inside their own bodies. And I don't agree with that. You know, that's okay. obvious nonsense. So I'm not, I'm not like, saying you're wrong there there definitely are the cynical actors but i think interweaving with that are the people who have these crazy and sincere beliefs i think we could achieve a sort of compromise by saying that there are grow many 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 people who get high with their own supply here so yes. yeah the number of people who believe that this is our group yeah they huff their own farts yeah. constantly yes. and hence coming back to the narcissism point it, oh it's a big feedback loop well that, yeah that's that's why i included that one from from because like we're just celebrating ourselves mm. <laughs> like why so pride season is <laughs> literally embarrassing thing to say it's literally public masturbation yeah, I, yeah i'm literally just going around going hey look at me i'm brilliant it's like well i could do that anyone i do that. do that but yeah. i don't get a month for it <laughs> yeah, exactly where's my month Anyway, we'll leave that there. Uh, right, so the next thing I want to talk about today is that when someone tells you what they're doing, uh, just believe them, right? The, the most sensible thing to do is just to believe at face value what they're saying because they're saying it at face value for a reason, right? They don't have to dog whistle if they're just going to sit there and go, hi, we're coming for your children. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, we know you are. <laughs> we know. That's not like, you know, you don't, you don't have to hide behind irony. We know that's what you're doing. You say that's what you're doing, and there's just loads of evidence to show that that's what you're doing. They literally sang about it. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but first, I mean, we will get to that in a minute, because yep. they, just honestly. Speaking of sincere convictions, eh? Well, that's the point. Speaking of uh, weird cult-like sincere convictions, uh, go check out uh, uh, Josh and Bo's uh, episode of Epochs on the Waco Siege. Uh, this was, of course, about the Seventh-day Adventists, the Branch Dravidians, uh, getting in trouble with the government because they believe things too much. Uh, this is pretty awful stuff, to be mm. honest. So, uh, but also fascinating. Rory's uh, in the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not fair. Like Rory, <laughs> that much. Glasses in mullet. Yeah. Anyway, right. So you will remember in 2021 that the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus released a song. Uh, a message from the gay community with a really smug... As we celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You're making you me listen to this. Yep. You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. Yep. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Right. Leave that there. Thanks, Pennywise. The, the term convert. It's yep. really interesting. 
film because it has fa uh, fanatic connotations. It does, doesn't it? Well, it also implies yeah. that um, they're not just born this way, but I was told that was homophobic. Well, in, if we still men their position, they would say uh, we'll convert them to a tolerant method of thinking. Sure. Like, not um, necessarily make the children themselves gay, although an uncharitable reading could interpret it that way. I'm inclined to be uncharitable. I can tell. Uh, but anyway, so this was allegedly a satirical video. And you got places like LGBTQ plus nature going, well, right wing calls are calling these guys pedos. Didn't because they, of a satirical video. Didn't they do a musical about um, uh, Afghan boys? Wasn't that a thing? I remember Callum covering this quite I a while ago with you. I don't recall that offhand. I believe that was the case. Well, we will. Uh, I'm happy to be fact-checked in the comments, yeah, but we I do remember a segment being done on that by Callum. I can't remember offhand, but uh, anyway, they, they say that the uh, the gay choir is receiving threats, uh, death threats, and, and right-wing media is claiming that they're paedophiles and trolls trying to get them fired from their jobs, all because of a satirical video. Now, where was the satire in the video? I think that there are some things that we shouldn't make fun of, mm. and this is one of them. Mm. Uh, and second point, I presented a bit on this yesterday, on the third segment. And uh, w what I was saying is that there is a double standard here as there are everywhere with wokeness. Mm. And uh, it has to do with comedy and jokes. They hate when other people make jokes and they yep. say that it's implicit bigotry and implicit yep. hatred, but they want to, they want the liberty to make jokes. Yep. They just want it for themselves, just you, for themselves. You can't make and, and that, jokes. by the way, that's not a joke. It's yeah. No, no, you can't make jokes about gays or trans or, or race or anything like that, but they can make jokes about corrupting the children. But the thing is, where was the joke? Mm. Like, because they literally say, well, we're doing this for diversity and inclusion. We're bit by bit going to convert your children to our way of thinking so that they accept our lifestyles. That's not a joke. That's literally their political platform. Yeah. But there's nothing satirical about that. They completely endorse that and they mean it sincerely. They are just coating it in this plausibly deniable sort of um, shell so they can say, no, 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 that's just kid. So, okay, well, if it's just a joke, you aren't actually doing this. You don't actually want tolerance. You don't actually want children to be converted to this way of thinking. And they would say, no, of course we do. Well, there we go. It's classic Mott and Bailey deception. They'll advance the most extreme form of the argument and then retreat to the other one and claim you're the bigot for misinterpreting them. Yeah. And then you'll get pride marches in 2023 where they just start chanting, we're coming for your children. I've had to blur this because Pride March. <laughs> Not appropriate for YouTube. It's hard to think of anything more sinister than that. Yeah. So do you know where this was? This was uh, New York Pride. Yes. And this was filmed by uh, Elad Eliyahu from Timcast, but they said that they didn't want to put a watermark on it to not claim excessive credit for it because this yeah. is such an important story. So just wanted to credit the lads down there. Yeah, for it's drag for doing, march in New York, New York City. Yeah, for doing, for doing the, the work so that other people don't have to be around these awful dejects. Yeah. But I mean, literally, if anyone under any circumstance says that I'm coming for your children, that's a threat. Yeah. Because yeah. they are, of course, not your children, uh, not their children to come for. They are your children, and they're the most precious thing to you. And so if someone says, I'm coming for your children, they are trying to destroy your family. That's what that means. So understandably, people were a bit upset by this. 
As in, seems that you've said that you're coming for our children one too many times, and uh, we're not happy about it. And so you had very respectable news organizations like NBC News who said, well, actually, I mean, they've been saying that we're coming for your children for years at Pride events. That's the problem. Which doesn't exactly make it any better. It doesn't better, make does it? it any better. No. Yeah. Anyone else. Not much who, of a defense. Anyone else who would have said something like that, yeah. would be that would be treated as incitement to violence. Yes. Well, not really, though, because it came directly from the White House, because Biden has now multiple times at teachers' conferences and in his own infographics said there's no such thing as other people's children. They're all our children. He has. Uh, but this has uh, been used by longtime attendees and gay rights activists who say it's one of the many provocative, provocative expe- expressions used to regain control of slurs against LGBT people. Oh, we're which, reclaiming the word. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're reclaiming the term, oh, we're coming on. for your children. That's not a term you guys That's an expression. would want to associate yourself with if yeah. you weren't yeah. pro-grooming. Sorry. Just- yeah. And so obviously uh, this led to many memes like this one from Leo. Uh, they're coming for our children, homophobic bigot. And then they actually say, we're coming for your children. They've been saying that for years. It's pride culture, bigot. So, I mean, you can't win. And that's the point. Is if that Leo's coming win. out against trans activists, you know they've gone too far. Yeah. So let's go to the article, in fact, because there's some entertaining bits in here. To conservative pundits, activists, and lawmakers, the video confirmed allegations they've levied in recent years that the LGBT community is grooming children. Well, when they came out and said, yeah, we're grooming your children. Yeah, I'm, I'm pro-childhood innocence. That is a hill I will die on. Yeah, Thank you very much. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> but to Brian Griffin, the, na- the original organizer of the NYC Drag March. Shut up. <clears throat> if that's the worst they've heard, it's only because he wasn't there this year. I didn't go this year. You would have heard worse, says the organizer of NYC Drag. <laughs> what? I dread to ask what would have been worse than we're coming for your children. I mean, he does give examples in the next paragraphs. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he said that he has chanted obscene things in the past, like kill, kill, kill. We're coming to kill the mayor. And joked about pubic hair and sex toys during the marches. And they regularly sing God is a lesbian. I have quibbles with their theology. Sure. But he says it's all just words. It's all presented to fulfill their worst stereotypes of us. Right. And when we misgender you, it's all just words. You would think so. but And that's correct. But. Why would you want to fulfill the worst stereotypes about them? Yeah. yeah. What's the end game there? I so think, if you didn't mean it, why did it come to mind? I, I think it's an insult to people. It, it is a sort of nemesis. It's, it's like saying, uh, we're already too powerful and you're going to accept this, whatever we say. It's provocation. It's, it's, it's I nemesis. Mm. I agree. I, this I, is the moment. This is hubris. This is, this is a flex. Yeah. This is them. We are literally so powerful. We can chant, kill the mayor. We can chant, God is a lesbian. We can chant, we're coming for your children. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. That's what the, the, the video from the, yeah. the chorus was. And like, we're a, literally doing it. There's an implicit uh, threat there that if you cannot avoid it, join it. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Get on side with the winning team or else. Uh, and so they say the coming for your children chant has been used for years at Pride events, which again, just. I, if I was just a normal gay person, I'd be like, God, these are the worst. Um, according to longtime marching attendees, uh, it's one of the many provocative expressions used to regain control of slurs against LGBT people. It's like, how does that regain control of them? It just makes everyone think, well, that's exactly what you're doing. Uh, and so they say, in this case, right-wing activists are jumping on a single video to weaponize an out-of-context remark to further stigmatize the queer community. But you've just said they chant it all the time. What's the context that it's been taken out of? 
you've said you've said worse, and you've said that this has been going on for years. So how is it out of context, and how is it just one isolated example? That's it's just a the pattern. One, yeah, exactly. It's just also, listen to the choir singing about yeah, how they're going to do this. This is just the one example like, we've caught. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's not even out of context. You're literally saying, "Yeah, this is what we channel your thing." Because we want to take control of the slur. It's like, okay, but you're not saying we want to change the meaning of the slur. Like, you are still in favor of what the slur means. You just want to be able to say it proudly because you're a pride. You can't call me a groomer. That's our word. <laughs> exactly. It's just such a weird, such a weird flex. But, I mean, take them seriously. They are doing this. This is why they're concerned with all of the LGBT indoctrination in schools. This is why they do this. All This is why they want drag queen story hour. It's entirely up front they are not like joking they're not they're not unserious they're totally serious about this right but uh, anyway the organizer for this year's drag march was someone known as huckle fairy ken he sounds trustworthy doesn't he who also performs drag as sister lottie dar wait that's not the drag name no huckle fairy ken is not the drag name sister lottie dar is the drag name right but he declined an interview request citing fears for his safety in light of the backlash of the video clip. Uh, but he said in the email that the coming for your children chant is a bad joke that's being used to serve the interest of parasitic, predatory political propaganda and policy. Oh, that's parasitic and predatory. Well, I agree something here is parasitic, mm. predatory political propaganda and policy. Uh, but he says, quote, we won't tolerate any harm towards any child and advocate for the protection and encouragement of every child to be able to live their true, authentic selves, free from fear of persecution. Again, says Huckle Fairy Ken, but again, someone who I definitely trust on this issue. Yeah, and this is something that <laughs> I'm sure you'll you'll get on steady is The manipulation of language here is so key. We will not tolerate any harm that comes to a child. And by harm, they mean any impediments to gender-affirming care, yep. which is chemical, medical, and uh, psychological Abuse. But exactly. also behavioral. I mean, yeah. like things that are done to these children. Like, uh, I mean, we we definitely disagree on what constitutes harm. Yes. Yeah. And let me just say that uh, when it comes to being the authentic self, for centuries that was an issue of values. Mm. It wasn't yes. an issue of self-identification. That's a great point. It was an issue of what you value. Mm. But now value is completely thrown away. Well, look, mm. if, if these kids were not their authentic selves, and it's not social contagion, so that means there must have been millions of trans children all throughout history, why is there not an unbroken chain of child suicides? But, but that, that is why they time? want to revise history, yeah. and that will be the next trend of historical revision. Oh, yeah, all well, the trans Vikings, I forget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm bigoted. They have claimed that there are trans Vikings. I know, yeah. yeah. There's there's whole legions of conquering warlords in, in It's very shadow, convincing. I'm, for I'm for sure. some reason, there are no contemporary accounts. There are lots of contemporary accounts of Vikings, just none of them being trans. Uh, they're always misgendered as being men, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, moving on, let's just get to uh, more very inappropriate things at Pride. Uh, again, post-millennial here, being naked adults exposing themselves to children at Seattle Pride. Uh, if you go to the next one, there's a man in pants twerking in front of children. We can't show pictures of this, obviously. Uh, so uh, so don't, don't scroll down on that, John. Yeah. Uh, but they said, you know, in uh, CBS Austin, they say, that in a now viral video, not a man can be seen Wearing nothing but white briefs, white socks, and a rainbow garter while twerking in the middle of the road in front of a group of unlooking children. And they give us a definition of twerking from Miriam Webster, which is, quote, sexually suggestive dancing characterized by rapid repeated hip thrusts and the shaking of the buttocks, especially while squatting. Sounds appropriate for children, doesn't it? One parent is seen in the clip turning a child away from the display. No kidding. Why would you bring your child to a pride parade? Yeah. 
Did you not think, I'm going to go to the Pride Parade. I'm surely not going to see any twerking. Yeah, the parents are engaging in as much abuse here as, yeah, they're totally as, in the, the, wrong. as the totally public in the performing wrong. exhibitions. Yeah, yeah, but even the parents who take their children to the Pride Parade are like, okay, well, don't look at that. Yeah. You know. What did you expect? Yeah, exactly. What were you expecting? There's no moral safeguard against this action happening in public. Yeah, from but, your own moral framework. What, what, do they, what, what is the message? Be your twerking self. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Well, it's I, I can't understand why they take them to these. It's, it's sexual exhibitionism. Yeah. That's what this is. And yeah, but the, the parents, doing. why do they take the children there? Well, it's to destigmatize uh, what twerking. Sexual, yeah, yeah, genuinely, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but the chil- the children are necessarily grown up. Yeah, but they're blank slatists. They think that you can reprogram people out of their. Yeah, but that's uh, sinister. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not <laughs> disagreeing with you, yeah, mate. Of course. Yeah, yeah. We but all think they should be locked up. Mi- middle class liberal white women don't agree with you. Have you seen the, think this um, is fine. the studies on uh, borderline personality disorder in mothers for those of trans children? No. The rates are astronomical. I do not doubt. So it has to do by a lot with progressive parenting. Yes. I think it's... Yeah, I've, I've seen... I've seen I'm, in, I'm in... I'm in... I'm like secretly in some Facebook groups that are like pro-trans. No, no. Like, I just like... They're never going to let me in. But they let me in. So I can't comment. Because if I yeah. comment, they'll get kicked out. But you see, just... It's single mothers mostly, going, my trans child is starting to tell me that they feel like a boy or something. What can I do? So what do you mean, what can you do? Anyway. So this is, of course, the purpose of all of this. And this is the purpose of Drag Queen Story Hour. We've recently had a Drag Queen Story Hour in Swindon. There were protests on one side. There were communists. And on the other side, there were normal people who were like, maybe you shouldn't pervert children. But uh, let's just carry on just, you know, when they say they're coming for your children. So Drag Queen Story Hour is one. Uh, The next one was pornographic books, uh, pornographic homosexual books uh, that are in the local school library. Um, This was a book called Nick and Charlie. The advised age is 14, but, um, you know, I don't really think I can actually read (laughs) what's in the book on YouTube. Yeah. So I won't. But uh, needless to say, it's just not appropriate. It's about two young men having sex, right? The same with uh, genderqueer so, that we're aware of. And, and this book is yeah. gay, which has uh, instructions on how to devour yeah. fecal matter. Yes, these, these are not the only books, of course. Uh, and then you've got people who want to have private chats with kids. Like this middle school teacher in Portland wants to privately chat. I mean, look, he says there. Uh, my favorite kid is a sweet li- little lesbian angel. Constantly sends me very JCG-esque jokes about the queer experience in private chat. Why don't you have a seat right over here? Yeah. I mean, they are coming for your children. Yeah. They're not joking about it. This is all the evidence of it. And they're very proud of what they're doing, which is why they call it pride. Anyway, let's move on to something that's hopefully a little more entertaining which is the Glastonbury Festival 2023. Have you ever been to Glastonbury? No. You're not much of a hippie then, are you? I'm not a hippie. I never was. Connor, you're a young person. Do I look like I would be seen <laughs> dead in a field surrounded by middle-class, triple-barreled surnamed, off their head, with, with a, a cup of ket in one hand and a cup of their own yeah. urine in the other? No, thank you. I want to say I, I've watched a lot of great bands live, though. I yeah, saw, it wasn't in a festival context. Yeah, I, I saw the uh, I saw the the BBC thing of Glastonbury last year because my my parents were watching it, and uh, I was heartbroken when when my future wife Billie Eilish got up on stage and started talking about Roe v Wade. Why do we like this whining songs? Okay, look, she's, she she's got very good damaged words. man. I can fix her. <laughs> no, no, no th- th- this is not the right mindset. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I totally yeah. agree. Just steer clear, man. 
just yeah. anyway. Anyway, before we begin, uh, go check out the latest episode of Brokenomics, where uh, Professor Peter St. Onge was uh, interviewed by Dan. Uh, he is an economist at the Heritage Foundation, a, a fellow at the Mises Foundation, a former professor, and a person who is concerned about the way things are going. Uh, so he actually has some useful stuff to say. Glowing reviews on this interview, by the way. Uh, so go and check that out. Anyway, let's let's begin with Glastonbury. So Glastonbury is, of course, highly political. Uh, this is a band called Young Fathers who were on the stage saying, well, let's just watch. Say it loud. Say it clear. Refugees are welcome here. Say it loud. Say it clear. Refugees are welcome here. Fuck the Tories. This one's for Suella. Shame. Sorry, I remember the same thing happening in Greece in 2015. Oh, yeah? Yeah, where the borders opened, and in a year we had an influx of 10% of the population. Yeah. That would be the equivalent of 7 million people in the UK in a year. Right. Well, yeah, I was going to say... 14 times more than the actual number. The, the right. latter half of his statement, um, F the Tories, this one was Suella, that, this one's for Suella, that was very much also the sentiment inside the National Conservative Conference after the mainstream Conservatives finished their speech. So so perhaps there might be an olive branch to be extended here. <laughs> no, definitely not for what they're asking for. So who are the Young Fathers? I've never heard of this band, obviously. Uh, if you can go to the next one. Uh, they're a Scottish group that were formed in Edinburgh, Scotland. Scottish group formed in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, they won Scottish Album of the Year in 2013. In 2014, they uh, they got the Mercury Prize for their debut album. Their second album was called White Men Are Black Men Too. What? Average Scottish thought. That. That's what Scottish people tend to think about. Uh, the, the members of the band are Aloysius Masakoy, born in Liberia, right. moved to Edinburgh at the age of four, Caius Bancoli, Born in Edinburgh to Nigerian parents, and Graham Hastings, who was actually born in Edinburgh as well, and uh, grew up in a housing scheme. Average Scottish band. So anyway, this reminded me very much of Corbyn's 2017 speech at Glastonbury, because it's always been insanely left-wing oh, thing, because it's insanely middle class, uh, and because the middle class literally have no conception of morality at all. And so any programming that has come down to them, they can be told by the authorities, oh, this is good. They can be like, finally, I don't have to do any more thinking. Refugees, good. Tories, bad. Moral calculus, sorted. Now I'm a good person, right? So if we get to the next one, <clears throat> this was him uh, speaking at Glastonbury with very much the same message. So in the last six years, it's been the same message over and over and over. Of course, Corbyn is addressing the great golden god emperor, Donald Trump, uh, you brought the spirit of music, the spirit of love, the spirit of ideas, and you brought the spirit of messages, great messages. There's a message on that wall for President Donald Trump. Do you know what it says? Build bridges, not walls. Ugh. The Pope said that once as well. On what wall? No. What wall indeed? So I actually looked this up. If you get to the next one, John, you can see that Glastonbury Festival <laughs> is protected by Sunbelt Rentals, right? They say, quote, we provide more than 8,000 meters of what they call the super fortress fence around the perimeter of the site. It's the barrier from World War Z. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's actually the barrier from World War Z, right? And there's eight kilometers as well of interior mesh, mesh fence. So this is, a, this is a, a wall that puts the walls of Constantinople to shame. 
<laughs> Way bigger. They've got the sentry turrets from the high rise in dread. Yeah. Does uh, it electrocute you if you touch it? I don't know if it's electrified yet, but I imagine in the future there will be something like that. But it's it's uh, is there a picture on this? It's just enormous, right? And so they're like to the, the reason that they need this fence, right, is quote, to help ensure the continued future of the Glastonbury Festival by stopping illegal entry into the site <laughs> and providing a safe environment for legitimate festival goers. Oh, come on. I totally agree. I totally agree, Jeremy Corbyn. Like, so when they say refugees are welcome here, they don't mean inside the super fortress fence. I can't believe it's called the super fortress fence. I wish this was just along the beach of Dover. Yeah, right. right. Could, could we build maybe a bigger super fortress fence? Could other people contract these to, to build more fortress fences around things that we want to uh, make a safe environment for legitimate people in there? It's just amazing, right? It's four and a, it's four meters high, and eight kilometers long. That's amazing. They dig trenches and have hot oil yeah. for people who want to alligators. Enter. Yes, and why not? Like people the, would have battering rams to enter. You know, the, sort of siege of the, Helm's Deep. Yes, yes. <laughs> the walls of Helm's Deep probably were not four meters high. Yeah, <laughs> they would lose money. Yeah, they would. But, <laughs> so. I just can't get over. Like, where are all those people like fences don't work? Well, the Glastonbury <laughs> Festival proves that they do work. Walls work. Uh, so all of them, all of the again, refugees are welcome here. Yeah, not here. You know, build wall, build bridges, not walls. Except for that wall. You know, we go build your bridge somewhere else, right? So they can say one thing, but the revealed preference is for very sturdy defenses that clearly work and protect the integrity of the Glastonbury Festival for the legitimate festival goers who have paid to enter, who deserve to be there, to keep out the riffraff and immigrants who haven't. That's what that's about. But anyway, so let's go on. Uh, there was a screening, or due to be a screening, of a very controversial Jeremy Corbyn film there. So of course, Jeremy Corbyn has been ejected from the left by the fascist Keir Starmer, quote-unquote, uh, and his uh, stormtroopers, who have been like, you know what, we're not having all this communist nonsense because we'd like to win power at some point. And so this was a film called, a controversial film called Jeremy Corbyn, The Big Lie. What's controversial about the title? Um, given, the title isn't the thing that's controversial, I suspect. Well, 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 well it might be. The, I mean, where does the phrase The Big Lie come from? Yeah, that was, that was kind of a question, wasn't Go it? Goebbels, isn't it? I'm, yes, I'm it like, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what, what, was, what was he kicked out of the Labour Party for again? It was anti-Semitism. That's, oh, that's true. dear. Oh, no. And so the Glastonbury Festival organizers were like, hang on a second. This feels vaguely anti-Semitic. It's just three hours of Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> scrolling through Wikipedia pages. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, the, the screening was cancelled after accusations of anti-Semitism. Uh, there were lots and lots of people who are leveraging anti-Semitism against Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, do, do you actually think Jeremy Corbyn is an anti-Semite? He did write a forward to a book that had some rather anti-Semitic chapters in it. So I, <laughs> okay, maybe I, would, I, would, I would say he's either the world's worst judge of character. I or, think that's maybe, maybe true. Yeah, or he consistently picks positions that aren't big fans of the people of Israel. <laughs> Just happen to align. Uh, I, I personally don't actually think he's a genuine anti-Semite. I think he's just a really poor judge of character. Um, but maybe I'm just being too charitable to old Mr. Corbyn there. Uh, but anyway, this they apparently were going to screen it anyway. We don't care. 
the screening. You know, I couldn't actually find out whether it had actually been screened or not, so I'm just going to assume it was, because uh, uh, why not fight the power? Screen the anti-Semitic film at Glastonbury, <laughs> if you have to. Uh, anyway, so The Guardian. There we go. It has, has actually been there. Oh, yeah, no, it was actually, yeah. Right, okay. It was in a, a small tent outside the festival, at the festival, right. And uh, a committed group of hardcore anti-Semites. To, to, to... Oh, you can tell it's so middle class as well because they're laughing yeah. as like a Hindu wedding. Yes. Right, come on. But look at them all. I think the age average is close to 97. Well, let's talk <laughs> about that because The Guardian were like, hey, check out the British youth at Glastonbury. Now, they changed the title of this, but you can see in the link at the top, this is what the British youth look like by Martin Parr. Parr. Right? They changed the title because it turned out, and if you want to just scroll through this a minute, John, the uh, as you see from the pictures, actually, that's the youngest looking person there. Get into the next one. You'll realize that. Uh, sorry, yeah, they've got a particular. Yeah, they're not looking quite so young, actually. <laughs> at yeah. all. Four up front's falling on hard times. Yeah. They? I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm sure that dad's. They try to keep it real. <laughs> yeah. Look at the guy down there. Like, the, these actually aren't very young people at all. Uh, but what a beautiful bunch they are, eh? Physiognomy is real. Yeah. Oh, and so limey. Come, have some modesty. I mean, they must be friends. I don't think they're a couple. Just typical young people in Britain, you see. Don't you feel represented, Connor? <laughs> to be fair, I average do, young person with Extinction Rebellion. I do frequent a pub near Soho, so I have seen this on a Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Look, there's Granny there. Where's I don't like the, the tiger outfits. <laughs> Sorry? I don't, don't like the tiger dresses. Well, no, who does? They're the youngest people there, I imagine. Some very in their mid 20s. Yeah. Again, British youth on display. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that there because we'll get to the stats of the festival because we actually have fun. Them. <laughs> that was fun. So, uh, talking about festival data is very interesting, right? Half of them are married. So, or uh, married or in a relationship. So, this isn't just young single people out for fun. Uh, the, the, more than half are married or in a relationship. And the overall average age is 39. Right. So I would feel quite at home there, actually. Uh, only 21 to 25 year olds are only 18% of the festival. So it's insufferable middle class Gen Xers. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes, that's exactly it. So that, that, is, that is an interesting broader point, though. It's that most single young people are so atomized and stratified, they're just barely meeting each other anymore. Yeah, yeah. Who are you going to go to the festival with? Younger yeah. than friends. What is it, like 27% of young men 18 to 30 have reported no partners in that time. Okay, yep. that's like societal collapse level figures. And I don't blame them for not wanting to go to this, particularly because you're not exactly going to meet a nice girl when she's in a Primark one piece hopped up on MDMA, yeah. are you? Might meet a nice MILF. <laughs> 39 years old. Good like Leo DiCaprio on the beach. Big fan of pizza and lager, which is apparently mostly what they drank and ate. Oh, Baz so, attending Glastonbury this year. Yeah, apparently. It's a high class. Love my Billy Eilish. Yeah. Love my Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> anyway, moving on. You may have noticed one thing about Glastonbury, and uh, it's pretty white. Yeah. And this is a this is a thing they've been saying for a while. God, this Humpty is use of most effective. Yeah, they've got a diversity statement, so they've at least paid lip service to diversity. They say we recognise the festival has grown within a wider society where discrimination on the basis of race, gender, ethnicity, or visible or unseen disabilities, sexual orientation, heritage. Oh my God, religion, age, family status, social class, or education has perpetuated structural inequalities, oh. which limit like people's life's chances. Yes, being a human. <laughs> 
is what what determines what is potentially something you can or can't do. For example, I'm five foot nine. I will never be a basketball player. I have come to peace with this. Neither are you. (laughs) Neither of us like. I'm never going to be a hat model. That's very true. Yeah, exactly. See, there, there are just there are limits because people are human beings and they are different. But they say we have been listening to the experiences of our audience, crew, and artists. They are renewing our commitment to identifying and addressing inequality wherever it might exist within the festival. Because of course, Glastonbury Festival is riddled with inequalities, such as when they announce their headlines. A lot of people like, hang on a second, these are all white men. Uh, It's also the lining act. Presumably, big names come. They sing. uh, they have the final uh, stage to, to sing. Yeah, yeah. There's also the inequality between those yep. who go into it and those who are separated from it by yep. the fence you I showed. Think, I can't remember who it was. Who was uh, that Lizzo was below like, you know, a very famous and ancient rock band. I can't remember which one it was. I'm not surprised. Well, exactly. But loads of them were like, well, why isn't Lizzo head- headlining? Why, why should she be? Yeah, why should she be? Exactly. I think it was like Guns N' Roses or something. You know, it's like, come on. But uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, on Twitter, Glastonbury fans were like, hang on a second. There are a lot of straight white men here. I kind of hate straight white men. If you go back to the previous one, um, uh, I hate straight white men. Uh, And literally that was, I mean, they literally said, quote, disappointing and awful. One wrote an entirely all white male headline trio. Bravo on the diversification Glasto says the white audience of Glastonbury. May I ask, what was the reason that Lizzo cited for not being the headline act. Well, Lizzo didn't was complain. It, was it fatphobia? No, was Lizzo it didn't re- complain. They it was stage enough. <laughs> it, no, 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 she was on the stage. There's a very strong, sturdy stage. Thank you. It's as strong as the walls. Uh, no, Lizzo didn't complain. It was people complaining that there were white people on the stage. Uh, anyway, let's move on to some woke drama. Have you ever heard of Rina Sawayama? No. No, no I've never heard of her either, but... Uh, she uh, on the stage was like, I wrote this song because I'm sick and tired of these microaggressions. This goes out to a white man who mocks Asians on his podcast. Oh, just shut up. Anyway, they did have some diversity. If we can go to the actual lineup. Uh, if you can scroll down on this a bit, you can see that they, they had some... Oh, it was Guns N' Roses. right On the side, Lizzo, just below Guns N' Roses. Like, why isn't Lizzo's first? Because this is Guns N' Roses. I'm more offended that Rick Astley got last billing. <laughs> Great point. Actually. Yeah, my celebrity lookalike yeah. got short served. But as you can see, they did have diversity there. You know, shut up. Uh, but of they course, didn't have anyone good really? They didn't really have much diversity in the crowd, and that's the issue. I'm surprised Texas is there fourth. I don't even know who the Arctic Monkeys are. What really? No, oh, like a Queens of the Stone Age. I quite like them. I, I, I would have appreciated Elton John showing up until he turned around and said that the US is really prejudiced because of their gender-affirming care bands, and I'm never performing there again. Okay. Right, anyway, moving on. You get people who have been complaining about the lack of diversity at Glastonbury, but not on the stage. This was last year where Lenny Henry was like, oh yeah, they're all white. Why are they all white? And he said in an interview with the Radio Times, it's interesting to watch Glastonbury and look at the audience and not see any black people there. I'm always surprised by the lack of black and brown faces at festivals. I think, wow, this is still very much a dominant culture thing. Because it's not held in Brixton. What are you supposed to do? Conscript them? <laughs> like, I don't know. What, what, what are the options? What are your suggestions, Lenny? You know? Oh no, a bunch of English people are going to a festival. I have a problem with that. Uh, and so, it, the thing is, he makes a good point because then 
it makes you wonder, well, who was, say, Stormzy's stab vest for in 2019? Do you remember this? Yeah, because when he got up on stage and called Boris Johnson a effing C. Yeah, if you go to the next one, uh, Stormzy performed in a stab vest, allegedly made by Banksy, but that feels very much like a retcon to me. Because apparently Stormzy had no idea it was made by Banksy, but it's like, okay, whatever. Um, but why would he do this? Now, this was, at the time, during a spate of knife crime in London, primarily. Well, that's not changed. No, that hasn't changed. And it's being done primarily by young men in the black community, which, again, is still going on. So who is the statement being made for if, as Lenny Henry points out, they aren't present at Glastonbury? Mm. Right? It's genuflecting towards a woke middle class kind of like a hyper-real morality. It's like, look, I'm saying this, but what does this, what, you know, is there a single young man in London who's like, oh, well, Stormzy wore that stab vest. I better think about putting down this knife. And also, the constituency you're addressing within the crowd, do they have any tangible understanding of the causes of the issue or any of the solutions? No, no they'll, they'll say it's racism. Yeah, and, and, or they'll also say it's socioeconomic factors. Yeah, or, and the Tories underfunding something. Yeah. Or something, right? So what's the target audience? Well, it's to l- simply reinforce that being woke and progressive to the, in the audience is good, and anyone who has any concrete suggestions is bad. I mean, Boris Johnson actually did get knife crime down because of Stop and Search, but of course, Stormzy would say Stop and Search is racist, and therefore the cycle will continue. So just a final thing, how much do you think the headline is being paid at Glastonbury? Oh, Elton John? Yeah. Blimey. Um, got be a couple of million. Nah, it's actually not that much. Really? Yeah, it's, uh, they say, quote, under 500,000 per headline. It's still quite surprising. But yeah, you'd think Elton John could charge more, wouldn't you? Yeah. But uh, but no, that's you know, not not terrible amount. But I mean hundreds of thousands. So yeah, I'd get out of bed for that, don't get me wrong, but you know. Yeah, I personally would, yeah. And so the next one is just a picture of the vast festival. Uh, can we play this oh. with no audio on, John? Let's see if we can get that going in the background. Remember see when you asked why I haven't gone? That yeah, right. I, I travel through London every day. I, getting on the tube it. with it being that slightly dense is is hell on earth for me. You're not going to pat me in a field, get smothered in mud and excrement, and stand next to that many people and pay to do it as well. Do you think it's good for the environment? <laughs> I would doubt it. They're leaving plastic cups and and small small plastic bags everywhere. Yeah, but yeah. they say they feel bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that's okay then if they yeah. feel bad. Like we we we've got pictures of the cleanup actually. If we can go to the next one, John. Uh, you can see, uh, if you flip through some of the pictures there, I mean, that is that environmentalism? Let, let me just say something. I watched a documentary. Sorry. I watched a documentary. I think it's called Trainwreck. And it was about Woodstock 99. Mm. Oh, yeah. And it, uh, at some point, there was a scene where there was a woman who was, I think, also in the original Woodstock in 1969, trying to get the people there to clean up. And she was <laughs> handling them bags. And they were completely pissed off and they say, we paid so much money here. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing documentary. Do you remember the story quite a few years ago that said that Bristol's river water is contaminated with cocaine due to all the urine? I think London's is as well. Yeah, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't be surprised if the grass doesn't grow back without some severe assistance because I imagine that's very acidic. And, and I mean, look at all that plastic yeah. that's been left everywhere. Like the, and these people would absolutely say, well, we need to reduce carbon emissions. I've seen Extinction Rebellions there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the they, there was a guy with the XR logos on his nipples, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Like, so you know these people are going to be totally bought into all of the woke environmental views, and that's how they leave the place. 
very interesting. So I think this is just an interesting way of showing look, there's there's you know the the things you profess, there's the things you do. And in the case of the middle class virtue signaling Ramona types, these never meet. And that is why I say that very frequently I'm really skeptical of the values people claim to be in favor of. Well, it very much reinforces Rhetoric your point. and practice no, it seems to not go together. Belief is what you continually do. Exactly. It yeah. totally reinforces your point. And so they don't believe. They're totally insincere. And I'm tired of hearing from them. But anyway, let's go to the video comments. Tony D and we Scurvy Joan here with another tale of pirates in South Jersey. Adam Hyler, he was the captain of the Revenge and attacked the British during the Revolutionary War. He captured so many of the ships. The British sent an entire contingent of ships to attack Hyler and capture or kill him. They cornered him in New Brunswick twice, and the second time he received grave injuries. But it didn't stop him from attacking the hated British until finally, in 1782, he succumbed to his injuries, one year short of the end of the war. Good. It's a fascinating story, though. Greetings. My name is Andrew, and I just signed up as a premium member. I've been a listener for years and wanted to congratulate you on the new studio. As a man of five foot six inches tall, I just wanted to let Carl Callum and the rest of the manlets of the Lotus Eaters know that I stand tall with you in solidarity. Now I'm going to look down on you for my position of being five foot nine. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I would make a height joke, but then Harry's yeah, going to bust well. through the wall like the Kool-Aid man <laughs> yeah, you with, with his case of gigantism. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but thanks for signing up, by the way. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Was yes. that the last video comment? All right. Uh, Andrew says, uh, this call for a season of pride is likely a reaction to severe conservative pu uh, pushback against their vile ideology being pushed by Bud Light, Target, etc. It's a desperate bid, and they easily, eagerly look forward to further rejection of their wicked perversions. What do you make of that? That sounds about right. I mean, usually they just sort of double down because <clears throat> um, they've got too many sunk costs mm. in oh, getting yeah. the ideology. It's the same thing why uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is more of a praxis point, but I think the right anti-work coalition, whatever you want to call it, has finally caught up to the framing of the trans debate and the need to be compassionate about this so that people who have been um, sucked into the ideology yeah. that might be prospective detransitioners don't feel that they only have the trans cult to have their backs. We need to provide them a sort of road to restitution because even if they've been mm -hmm. damaged, it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's easy to get out of that. Um, whereas they've got so many issues that they just need to keep making it worse and worse and worse. Mm. I think they're completely caught off guard because honestly, I don't get it. It's just weird because they're constantly pushing for this agenda for the whole year, the whole decade. I don't understand why they, it seemed to me that they were caught off guard with this. They just want constant affirmation. I think. Hmm. They want yeah. a sexual end of history. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, S.H. Silver says, Stelios is correct, as the notion of progress is subjectively based on the end goal you have. One man's progress is another man's regression. Well, that was kind of my point. But you can be I, I would say that it's more objective. It's that for, for me, objectively, what we are looking at is cultural disintegration. And I would call that, uh, you know, uh, not progress. I would call that, you know, moral decay. And yeah. uh, for me, the notion of progress is inherently objective because it implies that you move from one state of affairs to a better state of affairs. So it all comes down it to the code of, yeah, that's the relative. code of, 
I'm I'm not a relativist on that, but it's okay. I mean, but, but it, we, but we can solve this issue now. The, 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 the metric that you're using to measure whether things are better, uh, we, for example, the Pride people and say Connor have got vastly different metrics. They're going to be like, well, the number of people who I self-identify as gay or are tolerant or accepting of gays, and Connor would be like, yeah, but what about the number of people who get married? Yeah. Do yeah. you think that Connor is right on that? I mean, I personally think that it'd be better to have more people getting married than more people saying they're gay, yeah. So for me, this conflates moral beliefs and moral truths. So, okay, obviously... Well, I mean, obviously it's a value judgment wrong, I'm making. But, yeah, but I think that, for instance, in this case, Connor is correct, full stop. Well, yeah, I it's agree. Not, that's because of my wrong. Yeah, but it's not correct for Connor or from Connor's perspective or from our perspective. It's but, correct in the same way that Gravity is true. But, my, my so, country, that, that, but my, that's only if you value the kind of society that Connor wants to live in. If you value the kind of society that has 24-7, 365 days a year pride, then no, Connor's is regressive. Yeah, but the, he is regressive according to the to more the moral beliefs of some people, mm. according to their evaluative judgment. But we can definitely say, and that's what ethics is about. And sure. The century is that there are better and worse codes of ethics. Oh, I mean, I totally agree. But yeah. again, the 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 postmoderns would say, yeah, but th isn't this really just down to your personal value judgments? And I kind of have to admit that it is. No, I, I see. I'm, I'll, I'll jump in and say that you can be more or less correct in accordance with sort of C.S. Lewis's Tao idea. So, but the can... very notion of adhering to the Tao is a value judgment. Yes, no, I I agree with that. So I, I agree that there are parochial subjective avenues to mm. some kind of more objective moral truths. And so we can say which one is preferable in getting in line with that. My mm. quibble with progress is that if we get to my sort of desirable society, you know, Victorian era, for example, um, <laughs> why do I need to progress from there? Like, so I don't think progress is an unamored good. I don't think we're constantly stewarding ourselves along a long arc towards a hypothetical better state. Why can't we just have maintenance Sorry, instead? Let, let me say on, on this, because it's if this society represents your ideal, yeah. then there can be no progress because the ideal has been reached. Mm. So I, I don't, don't think, think we're living the in the ideal thing. Victorian society. I'm talking about the hypothetical society right, okay. that ta Connor talks about. Yeah, if yeah. for you it's the ideal, yeah. then the, any change from that would be regress. But they always say that we've got more work to do. So they must have an ideal society in mind that they want to achieve, right? Yeah. So, but, and so the, the, the question for them is like, when will they know that they've met it? And I think it will be literally when everyone says that they're gay. Or we can technologically transcend our bodies and become whatever we want to be. Sure, but even, even then, I think they wouldn't be happy. I think everyone has to be in some way abnormal hmm. for them to say we've arrived. Yeah. You know? But anyway, uh, Thane Scotty says, they perceive themselves as being in a war against reality. To address Connor, they've said for ages that they believe they're being genocided. Yep. They've declared themselves to be at war by the way they view their relationship vis-a-vis -vis the rest of society. If they can't be in control, then they're at risk. It is, ironically, political realism and the, basically the worst version of the satire of authoritarian societies. Machiavelli is more revered by accident by the deviants of our society than the people who have read The Prince. Mm. Yeah, that, that, point. that sounds about right. But th this, this um, the drive for certainty as well, you are, that's a great point Scotty's making there, is that there is, if we're not in control of it all, we're at risk of being genocided. And that's just absurd. Obviously, it's the if you're not with us, you're against us, and let us uh, mentality yeah. and let us eliminate all possible uh, yes, the, ways the, to the, think the, against the, us. The drive for certainty means yeah. you can never feel satisfied with what you've got yeah. because you can't, you, like, in, in a sense, any anything you have, you have to accept is yeah. in some way uncertain. 
just make a really short yeah. uh, remark that because I see Machiavelli being referenced a lot. Uh, Machiavelli has also has the prints, but he also has the discourses on Livy, mm -hmm. which is a brilliant text, and I'm preparing for doing eventually a <clears throat> symposium on it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a complete, it's a sort of different Machiavelli that we see there. Yeah, I mean, the the prince is clearly written with an intent in mind. Yeah, that's not <clears throat> not necessarily a statement of sincere beliefs. Uh, but anyway, that's something to cover later on. The uh, French is burning. Yeah, so there, there are massive protests in France, ethnic protests. Uh, we'll, we will cover that, just not right now. Uh, Pride parades uh, were originally to show that the gays are just like you. They dress like you and have normal jobs like you. And the only real difference, their partner and bedroom activities. Didn't reach long, it didn't take long to reach complete degeneracy. That's the thing. If Pride parades were men in suits walking by, I'd be like, what are they doing wrong? But they never were, though. No, this, is some, this is something. This well, is, they, this weren't, they weren't terrible in the 70s. They like, were, if you see pictures of them, they're not awful. They were allied with NAMBLA. They were just better yeah, okay, optics. I'm not, I, yeah, that's yeah. the point. Better optics. Yeah. But like the mask is just off now. Yeah, this is this you know? is the thing that I think a lot of... And I see GB News hosts making this this thing as well. Of mm. oh, oh, Can we just go back to the original traditional pride where it was just, we want acceptance and equality. And it's like, no, it, it was kind of always a Trojan horse by the spearheads, unfortunately. It, it's not it's not an aberration it's a logical extension yep george says i still remember seeing callum and carl's coverage of their we're coming for your children song both were very uncomfortable when they saw how vile these pedophiles are uh the chant is the next master off moment the work i think the worst monsters are the parents for taking their children to these events uh even more so than the groomers and uh the letter m is for masquerade has a, follow a comment that basically follows on from that uh quote I'm going to the Pride Parade today. I sure ho hope I don't see any naked men. So yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. It's like Ralph Wiggum from The yeah, Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. yeah. Man twerking in a baby's face. I'm in danger. <laughs> it's mad. But uh, Andrew, again, just any chance of coming for your kids should be treated as a threat. Yeah. Should be treated as incitement to violence. But... but I mean, the other guy was chanting, we're coming to kill the mayor. Yeah. And that was fine. I just can't get over it. the privilege that these people and the enjoy. double standard. Well, yeah, but it's it, it's not about hypocrisy. It's always about hierarchy with these people. Yeah, I, I'm past the double standards at this point. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I'm when, just over it. It is though interesting because when people talk about their authentic and true selves, mm. and they don't My make authentic it, and true uh, selves uh, are massive hypocrites. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it's about point, hypocrisy. Actually. It's a great point to raise. Yeah, it's a good point yeah, if the, you the, frame the, it right. That yeah. only matters if you uh, as a as a liberal, value hypocrisy and moral reciprocity. They, Classical liberal. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. All right. Um, they, they, what they want to do, they don't want to consider you as part of a moral constituency that's equally as worthy of consideration because they see you as an impediment to satisfying their urges. It's not about morality. It's about uh, self-gratification. It's about power. The yeah. power too. So yeah, yeah. That, 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 you, are, you were right to call it earlier. It, it, and the hypocrisy is a flex, right? The hypocrisy is saying, look, we are going to do this to you and there's nothing you can do about it. And we are going to enjoy humiliating you. That's what the weird. We'll Ironically, I think that's the, that's one of the few sincere bits. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. agree. I think they're totally sincere about it. So it's just, I'm. I. I mean, it is a good point saying if you tie it to the, your authentic self is a hypocrite. That's quite good actually. Yeah. But just merely charging with hypocrisy normally is just. They don't care. You know? No. Um, but uh, the oligarch uh, says there are no allies for the alphabet people allies suggest a reciprocal relationship that's a good point when your interests are attacked will they have your back absolutely not uh, which is ironic considering it was the Muslims who stabbed them in the back first mm. uh, I covered this the other day it was in Michigan 
uh, where literally this gay uh, Polish woman was like, but we stood up for them when they were being persecuted and they're the ones persecuting us. Uh, it's interesting because... I'm not going to finish my sentence, though. Yeah, but it's interesting, though. But uh, I won't say that what is blindingly obvious is that the groups that are allegedly groups of people with protected characteristics, mm. they're completely incompatible. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. The, the only way to have them in a group together organized so they provide political support to the people who want to use them for divide and conquer is if there is a common enemy invented. Yes. But this is the and when, they're, is why, when they're in power, yeah. there is the, the common enemy has been routed. Yeah. So how do you keep that coalition together? Well, and, we're seeing you can't. And the common enemy is always the indigenous population. Yeah. yeah but they've been totally defeated. Yeah. But this is why they have power. It's because for too long, our side has not understood the friend-enemy distinction well enough. They, they will make uh, allegiances of political expediency and then jettison or they think they have the ability to jettison the inconvenient elements when a time suits them. Um, fortunately mm -hmm. for us, it seems to be exhausting itself with the fault lines of Muslims, yeah. LGBT, uh, black people and Jewish people over in the States particularly. Yeah. They're, they're not easily reconciled groups because they, they are constituencies with very disparate interests. Fundamentally irreconcilable yeah. beliefs. Um, Hammurabi says, as one wise man once said, Twice the pride, double the fall. Mm. I only hope that the longer they try to stretch this out, the more it blows up in their faces. Well, I mean, like, I think that the the pendulum, you know, the the, the backlash that the, we we hear is coming. Do we see any sign of it? Um, yeah, well, the Christians that blocked the Dodgers Stadium was quite successful the other day. Um, Anheuser Busch firing their executives. Yeah, um, but they didn't hire Alex Jones, did they? No, but steps in the right direction. Mm. Uh, ESG has had about 300 million flowing out of its funding in the last month or so. The Republicans are doing some inquiries in the uh, what was it Senate Judiciary Committee and the oh I forget what the other one is in Congress, but they're actually looking into it. Whether or not that'll enact mm. any legislation is a whole other thing. But mm. the pressure is pressure is building. Not over here though. No. Uh, Tom Van Gogh says, "Ah yes, the LGBT choir full of sex convicts." Was that confirmed? No, it wasn't. Though yeah, there were some suggestions that, that some people that looked like members of the choir had been found on the sex offender registry with mugshots, but it wasn't confirmed they were the same people. They what are, what are the odds that the LGBT choir that's singing We're Coming for Your Children would be found on a sex register, though? From eh? San Francisco. From San Francisco. Well, what are the odds? I mean, they're so low. You're just a bigot. <laughs> Alex says, uh, Laws of Fox burning the pride flag was not legal because Britain has no legal concept of flag desecration. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, you can buy any flag and do anything you like with it because it's your property. Uh, what you can't do is rip down flags put up legally by others as that is vandalism. Uh, having said that, it was Jonathan Sumption who said that laws must be tested in courts and that maybe we should test whether vandalism applies to authorised propaganda of sexual deviancy. Uh, the thing is, I don't doubt that it would. Right. I, you know what? I think after the Maya Forstater ruling where gender critical beliefs are now a protected characteristic under the Equality Act, they might have some standing to defend themselves. Perhaps. Uh, another L for the right. Um, perhaps, but he, he is right. I mean, like, you know, and so this is why they were like, oh, this is a hate crime. When no X, it's not yeah. a hate crime. Uh, hate crime has to be against a person, not a set of ideas. Zen Chan says, the best comparison is when people uh, like this do a mocking Nazi salute. The main difference is if we were to do that, a single person doing it for a moment, and not a constant thing done in large groups. Uh, I guess the only close comparison would be the Kekstan flag looking like the Iron Cross, uh, this isn't saying these are equal. I just like to bring comparable things, saying, you know, blah, blah. But yeah, exactly. Like, there's no point saying, oh, well, this is just satire. We're just chanting. We're, going, we're coming for your children as a joke. It's been taken out of context. 
don't believe you. Dead Baby Vaccine Brigade, geez, what a name, says, uh, these perverts should be given Lupron instead of the kids they're trying to indoctrinate. Yeah, it is interesting now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, the people getting Lupron are no longer the groomers. Again, not licensed by the FDA. Yeah. Experimental surgeries as well. Like, mm. these are all very experimental. Uh, I've, I'm still working on the uh, Welcome to Hell uh, podcast that we're going to do at some point. Yeah, you, you Josh, and I, uh, yeah. you, me, and Josh should definitely go through that. We're just going to go through pictures and statements. With a stiff drink. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be quite hard, actually. Yeah. I, I, it, it's not fun. Yeah. Uh, Colton says, I know more than a couple of gay fellas who are absolutely tired of the alphabet community. That's yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. We've got some working here. Uh, they just want to be with their partners and live happy lives and cannot stand the pedos and their creepy agenda. Yeah, absolutely. This is like this is another thing as well. Like spe- claiming to speak for gay people or everyone means that they are essentially oppressing a bunch of people, mm. uh, and that all of them think the same thing. Yeah, there's a homogenous yeah. political block when in fact there isn't. I met one of my best mates who's a who's a gay man, which is the show at uh, the mm-hmm. event that you did in 2018 at our university. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, there's there's more than a few people that just go. Yeah. I mean, leave us alone, please. Yeah. Well, this this thing is that there's always been like, you know, places on the margins for unusual lifestyles in traditional culture. Yeah. But England they tolerate eccentrics. Exactly. But they exactly. But they belong on the margins. Yes. And everyone has recognised that, and even even they have recognised this until this point, when now it is the dominant culture has to be the marginal culture. Well, one of the things he told me, um, and this is his position on it, is that that being gay doesn't necessarily deserve to be celebrated. If anything, it deserves a little bit of sympathy because he said, "I can fall in love with someone and know they can never have my children." Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's actually a perspective that I I feel terrible for you for, mate. But then now they're celebrating this this bacchanalia of castrative sex yeah. in pride parades. It's just grim. Yeah, because this isn't about families. No, this is about... I've also heard people saying that, you know, they they don't like the whole way it is being projected. Mm. It was just, they just said, you know, I just wanted to be left alone Mm. and not be thrown stones. It's the gay version. I just want to grill, bro. Yeah, 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 it is. There's also... Sorry, go on. No, no. Well, there's also this kind of weird, like, flare effect that's like, okay, your average, I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't think there are any gay people who live on my street, right? Yeah. Because it's just a street of families. And so I don't spend any time thinking about gay people, right? Uh, and so if I, met, if I meet a gay person, okay, so what? You know, I, they don't have any particular effect on my life. But if you're constantly pumping it into people's heads, they start forming opinions on what they see. And if these opinions are, we're coming for your children, we're going to be naked in front of them, we're going to pervert them as much as we can, then a person who otherwise has had no contact with gay people now has a prejudice against gay people. And right. w- one thing to add is that, you know, just like all people, uh, th- sexuality is not the only thing that defines us. Absolutely. Uh, those who are who think but, they, that the sexuality is the only thing that defines us and the only thing that should be celebrated and talked about, and it's the main, they just, it's just weird. Horrifically boring. But yeah. also, but this is what I mean about the flair. So it's like, you know, essentially, if you're just some normal person who's maybe a bit introverted or something, you're going to feel lit up by society on this and then if you've got a group of people like well we hate you and we're going to kill you not that i'm saying there is a group like that but if there were to be then you'd be like okay you have made me afraid of them because you can't shut up and you've really inflamed them whereas i was just grilling and right? it's also a leveling down effect because you presumably let's say you have a great musician mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah now he's just gay yeah yeah 
that music yeah. that person would want to be remembered primarily as a great musician yeah, for their individual merit. That's or, the thing that's happened to Freddie Mercury after exactly. his death as yeah, well. Like, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't necessarily about the music or the fact that he was also bisexual. It was that oh, he's a gay man. And it's like okay, well, well, it, that's not the most interesting yeah, thing about him. It's, he, he is Freddie Mercury. Yeah, but it's, it's like his ability to command the stage was the yeah. most interesting thing about Freddie Mercury. And his voice as well, man. But uh, anyway, uh, Baron von Warhawk says, when it comes to the term we are coming for your children, the Urban Dictionary defines it as Schrodinger's douchebag. It's when someone says something wrong and then determines its authenticity based on the reactions of those around them. If the public disagrees with them, they're only joking. If the public agrees with them, they're serious. Mm. Well, that's the point, isn't it? You know, they are serious, and it is a cover. Uh, Diogenes says, Stelios, the political powers are less concerned with using the racial pride people as a motive force to conquer as much as they're happy to use them as a political shield to get away with sweeping actions. Yeah. So, mm, I don't think, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I mean, I think they, I think they will consciously use them as a revolutionary vanguard as well as just an emotional shield. Because if you're creating a constituency with absolutely no stake in the present society, because they have no kids, they've mutilated themselves. Well, no stake in the future down. society. Well, yeah, there are only stakers in the present society. Well, um, Sort of. I mean, if you if you have a stake in the future society where the government creates legal permissions for you to fundamentally redefine yourself and you can get to a state of technology where that facilitates your redefinition, hmm. then the present society is actually what's holding you back from the form of transcendence. Sure. Uh, but the, he makes point, by claiming the critics are anti-gay is an effective shroud of confusion for the normie voter. There's too much to unwrap in order to figure out what's happening. And that, that, I mean, that's definitely something they do. But I, like I said earlier, I think there is an intertwining here. Mm-hmm. Like there are sincere people who achieve positions of power, and then there are cynical people who are just using this as yeah, you know, a cover. Uh, jokes and satire are allowed only if they further the gay commie utopia, comrades. Which is literally where this is. Yeah, it's not a mischaracterization. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that is. It, it reminds me of the of the song "Go West" by Pet Shop Boys. Oh yeah, it sort of went west. Yeah. Uh, Omar says, I think pride is such an apt name for the movement. Like vegans of sexual misconduct, they have a visceral need to make you aware of their activity, Mm. if not outright accept and eventually participate, especially unwillingly. Uh, Taking pride in their degeneracy is part of the fetish. Yeah, I thought CrossFit was gay already, but it's like even more gay CrossFit. They have to let you know they're doing it. Yeah, but that's the, uh, it is conscripting people into your fetish is what this, the the, the twerking in public is. Civilizational voyeurism. Yeah, yeah. Tom says, uh, Slanesh says, uh, whoa, slow down there. <laughs> and George, in fact, says, kudos to Lawrence Fox for, bur- Fox for burning the flag of Slanesh. Unfortunately, if he was a regular guy, he would have likely had the Count Dankula treatment. Still seeing someone with a backbone in politics is refreshing. Uh, yes. It's, it's interesting, though, because we haven't, since, <clears throat> since Dank was prosecuted, we haven't got as many public examples. But I think they're starting to realize how mm. bad it looks for them to to go that far it's not that they're not willing to do it it's that they aren't doing it as often because they can't get away with it as much yeah but like there's one thing at looking bad but where's it go like what difference did it make to them you know like who's going to be removed from a position of power because dank was prosecuted Mm. no one you know and so at the end of the day they they are aware if nothing else that they're kind of invulnerable but let let me say one one thing here because i think this ties with the previous comment Mm -hmm. The left has a sort of tradition of getting people down onto the streets. Mm. If, if now you have some, and again, here is the political realist, the explanatory political realist speaking. Don't. If you have a group of people who don't react when they get disrespected, 
they habituate the other side to disrespect them even more. Mm -hmm. So unless there is a sort of uh, message that there will be a backlash, there, the disrespect will continue. Yeah. So it seems to me that this is one of the issues where people have been habituated into not reacting. And that is why the peop these people are not losing their jobs. Yeah. They're not, they're, there is no political scandal. Yeah. Because people are habituated into not reacting and into not protesting about this. And unfortunately, and think, we don't have like an American right wing where if Bud yeah. Light does something, right, that's it. You know? And I think, let me say this, because I think well, that this is... There, there, are some, there are some people in Sorry. within the halls of power that are within our camp that are slowly growing. So we've got to give them some time. Yeah, but it, it, that's, not, that's not good enough. It's the public. Yep. The public is the problem here. Because I mean, like in America, like the backlash against Bud Light, I thought it was going to go nowhere. Mm. Like I thought, okay, yeah, you you know, two percent of you have stopped buying Bud Light, but then it's like, okay, they have a ten percent sales drop, and then it gets, you know, the the sort of mythos of it begins, and it's like, oh god, actually, you know, but that's because you've got a very politically engaged, very large politically engaged block, and with a consciousness of itself, we're the MAGA group, mm. you know, we don't have that in the United Kingdom. We haven't been galvanized yet. No, not, and let me just say this because Sorry, it's no. interesting for you know, uh, conversation's sake. I think that this is one of the problems with one kind of conservatism. Mm. If we see conservatism just as an attitude of resistance to fast change, mm. then the question is, okay, what are the, what's the direction of change that mm. you tolerate if it is a slow change? So it seems to me that people get habituated constantly into not protesting. Yeah, because they expect slow change in the yes. direction and that they voted for yeah but they're not getting it yeah i think but i think that's and to loop that back around to the earlier conversation i think that's part of the progress paradigm yeah i think so yeah. it's part of the dialectic mm. uh, and like it's not our guys leading you know choosing the direction no. in which we travel so you know the 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 belief in the slow incremental improvement is just not happening. Yep. It's actually a decline and everyone can see it. Uh, Ethel Stan says, love seeing people talk about open borders from within an exclusive commune protected by security and fencing, requiring people to, to spend 600 pounds plus to get in. I know it's so privileged. Like, why, why are the inner city youth not going to Glastonbury? Says Lenny Henry. Well, maybe the price is the issue. Maybe if you built bridges, not walls, then you, you would get them going. Uh, <laughs> They would say that it can be solved by more taxes. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. Give exactly. them ideas. Yeah, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Andrew says, once again, leftist perversion of language. If these refugees were actual refugees, then this call to welcome them in would not be anywhere near so sinister. But I suppose that's the point. We all know these adventurers are not refugees and they show no love for those welcoming them. No, they're totally entitled. Um, uh, the DBVB, which I'm going to say, uh, says, if only our borders were as protected as Glastonbury. These hypocrites pretend to care about the poor, but they keep them out of the festival. They say they care about the environment, but have you seen what the frills look like once the festival is over? Litter everywhere, disgusting people. Well, this is the thing. Like, they can say whatever they like about open borders, but their revealed preference is, look, if you want a particular space that is a particular way, but has a particular set of values, that has a particular set of standards, you need a border. Yeah. <laughs> and you need that border policed like it's the Glastonbury Festival. But also, mm -hmm. like, why would a discerning person want to go there if the values you're demonstrating lead to uh, disorder, excess, vice, unhygienic conditions? Well, hey, maybe maybe they're for that. But what what if uh, there was no border and a bunch of like North FC right wingers turned up and they turned the and they were on the stage, you know, instead of like welcome 
refugees, they were like, deport every immigrant, you know? Like, they'd be like, oh my God, I'm not going to this festival. You've let in the wrong person. They're, exactly, they've let in the wrong people. Maybe if you had some kind of gatekeeping mechanism, it would be somewhere you'd want to be. And that principle exactly applies to our countries. Drowning out Stormzy with football chants. <laughs> England. <laughs> Um, the letter M is from Masquerade says uh, sorry but the raging winter winds outside tell me that it's almost 10% of the world the southern hemisphere that doesn't identify with uh, currently in summer this is very bigoted that's a great point I mean you know winter is to us what summer is to Australians right? mm -hmm. so uh, Graham says they are trying to liberate themselves from the concept of judgment mm -hmm. uh, not them Carl but there are forces trying to liberate the masses from any fear of judgment uh, there was a good point uh, made, nearly made in the film Dogma, uh, that is the mark of a bad person is a lack of fear. Uh, that is the fear of God, as in judgment. Let me say one thing here is mm. that I think that they want judgment only when it's positive. They don't want negative judgment. And this, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, and this yeah. has to do with victimhood mentality. Whenever mm. they do something bad, it's the system's fault. Yes. Whenever they do something good, well, it's again the system to be to credited because they say, "Well, you have been empowered into doing something mm. good." But they always they, they do think these things are intrinsic as well. So they they think you know it's you know we're celebrating ourselves. Yeah, Why? you know you're not very interesting. Uh, Joan of Arc says, "I now have a mental image of hippie Connor in my mind. I'm sending Carl my therapy bill." Well, look, all I'm saying is if people want to make fan art of hippie Connor, uh, that's uh, don't that's, encourage them to use Mid Journey for that. Come I, on. I did used to have really long hair when I was about 11. Connor at Glastonbury. Oh, Mid-Journey can make this happen. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll run out of time, so we'll leave it there. So, um, thank you for joining us. Go sign up on the website or go, well, and even, uh, go watch uh, the Rumble Live exclusive of part two of James, uh, James Lindsay versus Christian Nationalism uh, where you're going to be talking more specifically about liberalism. Yes. Right. Uh, and so, thanks very much for joining us, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.